Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here from the Santa Monica studio. Tennis is all around the globe. And uh, joined now by a guest I spoke to, not officially when it was Tennis Channel Inside In, but previously, way back in 2020, it's Russ Thaler now, who's in, in town to call some matches. Russ, how you doing? And uh, thanks for joining. I'm doing great. This is my second week in a row, so uh, second week doing matches here for Tennis Channel in five tournaments around the globe at once. Keeps you on your toes, for yeah. sure, from clay to hard and everything in between, it seems. And it's that's this time of year. Season's getting going, so it's kind of fun. I feel like for you and a few others, this is kind of in your wheelhouse when there's just like a five tournament, three or four continent range where, you know, we're, it's almost like our own version of Red Zone. Well, here's <laughs> the deal. I used to work with Scott Hansen, who yeah. hosts Red Zone, and we worked – for many years together, doing NFL Sundays together in Washington, D.C. at what was then called Comcast Sports at Mid-Atlantic, which is now called NBC Sports Washington. We would host the post-NFL shows. And what Scott does on Red Zone Mm -hmm. is exactly what he would do in the newsroom as we had monitors up with everything. He would basically walk around during the day telling everyone who could hear him or not what was going on. Like, that's the closest thing to like perfect job for perfect person that I've ever seen. Mm. But this is what I would do with tennis if it was the same thing. Yeah. Right. So this plays right kind of what you said. It plays into my wheelhouse. I love bouncing around to different matches, different surfaces, men and women and different levels. Cause that's the other thing we're dealing with two fi- this week. We have two fifties, five hundreds and a thousand. So we're seeing players ranked from one to like in the two hundreds who are getting yeah. wild cards into different events we're also seeing some of the dirt ballers like the guys who make their money on the clay and almost on the clay alone there aren't that many like you know clay court specialists anymore yeah. but when you see bagnese out and like mm-hmm. he was 0 and 11 on surfaces other than clay last year he's a clay court specialist yeah you get to use the bathroom though that part's good so you I don't do. have to do the red zone oh, like I, you know. right. <laughs> I, I am dubious i'm sure scott would stick to his guns i'm dubious about yeah. eight hours commercial um, with, free um, without a bathroom i'm with you there uh <laughs> and you mentioned it too i mean february is the only month that doesn't have a grand slam or a masters tournament that said it is the month where people can make a living playing tennis and i like the fact that there are so many opportunities for that that's never a bad thing i do want to ask you though about you know your partner this week bradley klein another guy that's Still active on tour. We're getting more and more of those, which is great. We're starting to see the players that are kind of dipping their toe into the waters and, you know, testing some stuff out. How have you assessed what he's done and working together, the chemistry that you guys clearly have? Well, let me just say, and as I mentioned, this is my second straight week. Last week, I worked with Taylor Townsend Mm. all week. So I'm actually getting two straight weeks of current players, which is awesome and a little bit of a challenge because calling matches is obviously different than playing matches. Um, and Taylor, I think Taylor, this wasn't her Taylor's first rodeo. I actually worked with Taylor back in the fall a little bit. So we had already developed a little bit of chemistry and I think Taylor is a natural 
And Bradley, what he brings to the table is he's played a lot of these dudes that we're watching. And he also yes. knows a lot of the coaches. And he also understands the grind, obviously. He's in it. In fact, he's going to PT right now. Bradley's trying to get back out on the court. Had a major back injury and coming back from surgery. And it's taken mm-hmm. him like a year to come back. But he wants to get back out there. Uh, the other thing that both of us have going for us, all three of us, actually, we're all lefties. Oh, Me, okay. Taylor, and Bradley. Yeah. And, the, and I, I don't know what it is. But I think there's a little bit of synergy with us southpaws. But, no, I felt like a pretty quick chemistry with Taylor. And the same, I'll say the same for Bradley, too. It took us like a day to sort of get going. And ever since then, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, Lefty had a huge day today. We're going to get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. But, um, no, and and Bradley's been great. and And I mean this respectfully, too. He's gotten the most out of his career and what he's been able to accomplish and how much he's had to battle. I think that helps on the commentary side of kind of knowing what it takes to go in. You mentioned the coaches as well. Um, excited to hear more. And Taylor at this point is kind of a veteran, having done it for you know a year for us. Yeah, well, look, and here's the deal. And, and to your point about having to grind through, mm-hmm. and Taylor's in that now, by the way. Mm-hmm. Taylor is working probably mm-hmm. harder now coming off the birth of her son about a year ago then I think she probably ever worked before and probably didn't realize how hard she could work because she is working out on the beach and she is, you know, training. Like, and She's, like, so young. That's the other thing that's crazy is, like, you say that a lot about tennis players, but she's had so many ups and downs, mm-hmm. not just this year, but in her whole career. And no, it's, a, it, yeah. it's, it's actually crazy. Yeah. Look, the biggest moment of her career is beating Simona Halep at the U.S. Open, right? Mm-hmm. I happened to call that match mm. on U.S. Open radio. Mm. It's the only radio match I've ever called. It's just like a weird coincidence <laughs> yeah, yeah. that that's the one, and I've been working with Taylor. And and Bradley is in a different spot, right? Mm. Bradley wants to go out of the game on his own terms. Mm. We're talking about a guy who was an NCAA champion at Stanford, bright dude, mm-hmm. made some moves on tour, had some wins, but never probably reached the heights yeah. uh, that he would have hoped for and then got hurt. Right as he was probably playing some of his best tennis, and now he wants to come back and finish on his own terms. I respect the hell out of that. Um, and because he understands the grind, and so does Taylor, it actually gives him, I think, better insight into calling matches I because agree. it doesn't come easy. Right? So they can explain what it takes. Yeah. Sometimes I think there's some players, and this happens in every facet of life, it becomes easy to you. That's not a knock against coaching the job you do. Coaching is similar, too, because you could have coaches that were unbelievable players that they can't relate to right. they how can't hard it is. They can't tell you how to do it. They just yeah. did it. Yeah. We see that all the time, especially in team sports, mm-hmm. right, where you have famous, legendary players who are absolute trash coaches mm-hmm. because they don't understand why Why can't you do that. Like, yeah. I could do that. Yeah. But, you know, why can't you work 26 hours a day? <laughs> like, But, no, these guys, no, mm-hmm. they, when you get Bradley and Taylor, they understand it. They respect the grind, and they're also critical of people and play that doesn't sort of doesn't measure up to what it takes. If yeah. it, does that make sense? It definitely does, and I yeah. think it'll help them going back to playing, seeing this vantage point of what the players that they might end up playing against down the road will look like. Yeah, although I do, I, <laughs> I do worry that they're going to end up like most of us who once were able to play at a certain, like all of a sudden oh, yeah. now that they've seen it and they've yeah. critiqued it, their brain's going to say, do this, and their body's going to say, what? Well, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's just getting up there in age and the yeah. miles coming on. Um, and the other thing about tennis with all these hours and stuff, some unpredictability, some crazy storylines. This has been one of the... I mean, I'd say craziest stretch runs if we start 2022 starting off with a bank. Just the stuff that we've seen on and off the court. Dude, just go back to Acapulco <laughs> the other night. Yeah, I mean, one night. It can yeah. explain a lot. There's a lot going on. Uh, I There's a, mu- a bunch of different places we could start. But right, Novak, where do you go? Novak Djokovic. Okay. 
loses today to Yuri Vesely, uh, loses his number one ranking now to Daniil Medvedev. Vesely 2-0, and and I heard the stat only. Safin, Vesely, and Kyrgios are undefeated in multiple matches, all <laughs> three 2-0. Uh, starting with the loss itself, uh, I got to give props to the guy who won. Yuri Vesely played a great match, was very bold, and uh, just went for his moment. And, and that's where I want to start with always giving props and respect. That's that the only way to played. beat Djokovic, yeah. right? Like, he's not going to give it to you. No. I think that's something that Novak has proven no. more than... That's the one thing I think Novak has proven that he is better at than Roger and Rafa is not giving. And Vesely did this too. He mixed it up. Mm-hmm. He tried different tactics. And he played the big points well. You got... And he went for it. Even mm-hmm. match point. He mm-hmm. went for it. Hit a winner like... You have to grab it from Novak's hands. There are going to be days and when Roger was off, or there were times when Rafa was hurting and his mm-hmm. confidence was down. He was hitting short, Remember, yeah. you know. And then, yeah, exactly. So Novak, just, it just, it's not there. Like that part of it, Novak yeah. gets into that. Screw you! I'm not missing. And, you know, thing, yeah. And ex- Vesley just took it from him. He and to win that match after he. Got broke serving for it. I don't know the stats. I don't have that off no, the top. No, no, he of my was head, serving at five four in the second like, after winning the first, happen? and he got and he got broken. Yeah. And I think every tennis fan, from the most knowledgeable to mm-hmm. the most basic, looked at it and said, "Well, he's done." Mm-hmm. It nope. just doesn't happen nope. against Djokovic. Exactly. From Novak's side, I saw the comments where he's positive, he's happy to be back in the mix. Although we don't know what his future holds, but I just go back to match play, match toughness, and it's like what we were saying about Naomi Osaka last year during the summer. You have to play tennis to get good at tennis, and even it holds true for the best of the best. I don't look at this as like, oh, it's woe is me, Djokovic oh, is on the no, downside. No. But he, t- he didn't have any matches under Dude, him. Dude, he beat, yeah. he beat yeah. Musetti, yeah. who, okay, granted, Musetti has him at his top of his game, but that's a guy who took the first two sets from Roland Garros last year. Different surface, but he beats Musetti in straights. Then he beat Hatchinoff, who's been playing, I thought, because I called Hatchinoff's matches last week, I think Karen Hatchinoff is finally getting back to the level that made him the first of that young Russian generation to sort of bust through into mm-hmm. the top 10, winning his first Masters title mm-hmm. in Paris. That win over Hatchinoff said a lot to me. I was shocked, actually, mm-hmm. that he lost to Yuri Vesely, but I wasn't aware that Yuri Vesely has Novak's <laughs> number and just doesn't lose to him. Monte Carlo 2016, I, re- <laughs> I remember that well. Um, do you think that losing this number one ranking for Nole is going to motivate him? It's going to be a... a a goal? Do you think he's even mindful of it? He's mindful of it. One, because I, I think he respects Daniil Medvedev. That's become plainly obvious in the last week as everyone's asking him about it. I think he respects Daniil. He respects the grind that Daniil earned that number one ranking. I don't think that's his priority in his career. It doesn't seem that way to me. I think getting back ahead of Rafa and Roger in mm-hmm. the majors count, yeah. I think, and, and maybe winning some more Masters, but I think Novak is really he's doing what Roger started a few years ago, where it was like let my goal let me let me really hone in on what my goals are. It seems to me yep. that number one, look, he's got already got the record for most weeks <laughs> at number one. So like what's he trying to do? Pad that number? I think he's trying to finish with the most majors between Rafa yeah. and Roger and himself. I think I don't think the number one ranking means the same to him. This has kind of been going on a little bit where he hasn't had his best outings at Masters 1000s because mm-hmm. I think the goal changed. He lost in Miami to Batista Goot one year off the top of my head and just a few times where mm-hmm. you can see where the goal is. I just think the schedule and the opportunity to play, we just don't know when we're going to see him next or how often we're going to see him, and that's the uncertainty in all this. It is. I, I think Rome just said that, you know, you're not coming here. And, <laughs> mm. and 
I mean, we'll see what happens in Paris. The rules and laws are changing yeah. all over the place all the time. You know, people are talking about Wimbledon already. It's like, dude, Wimbledon's months away. Let's see what's going on in the world, Yeah, you know, before that. Well, Daniil Medvedev, first number one outside the big four since Roddick in 2004. That's just a mind-blowing stat, yes. a run that we'll never probably see again, <laughs> at least not while we're on this planet. But props to Medvedev. He's got the number one. As you said, he earned it. Won a slam, beat Djokovic in a slam final, has been as consistent as any player on tour. So, again, congrats on that. Pretty easy to make an argument that Daniil is a worthy number one. The other thing I like about Medvedev uh, as a tennis fan and as someone who works in the tennis industry is I think Daniil Medvedev is good for the game. I think he's a personality. I think his game style is unique. I, I know I'm not alone <laughs> in that, but I think he is a worthy number one as a face of the sport, as a standard bearer. I think Daniil Medvedev has whatever it is to be that guy. And not everybody does. Like there yeah. are more people who have the talent to be number one then there are people who have sort of the it factor to embody the number one ranking. Yeah. I think Daniil Medvedev has it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Russ Thaler here on Tennis Channel Inside In. You bring up some good points with Medvedev. Um, the rest of this tournament, though, just getting back to what we've seen uh, and the semifinals being set now, Vesely versus Shapovalov. Vesely, you know, getting the biggest win of his career. Shapovalov has had a favorable draw, hasn't been playing well going into this tournament. And the other side, you have Rublev, who's owned 500s, and then you have uh, Hubie Hercosh, who beat center today, and uh, a big win for him to get back to normal. This is a guy who won Miami last year, but had been struggling. So, kind of shocking to see some of these names here in the semis. I don't know. Rublev's not shocking at yeah. all. Yeah, uh, I think he's the one that's not. Hubie Hercosh isn't shocking to me, although his win over center emphatically. Was, emph <laughs> yeah. You know what though? It's that kind of day. Mm. I mean, if you were watching sure. the women in Doha, yeah, all four of the quarterfinal matchups were like big time players. And none of those matches were even close. And th and that was shocked. That was shocking yeah. to me. Shapovalov doesn't shock me to be in the semifinals. I know he hasn't been playing his best, but he, when he puts it together, Shapo is as good and talented as anyone in the world. It's Yuri Vesely is the, the shock mm -hmm. out of those. Yeah. I was surprised to see Hercotch beat Sinner in the way that he did. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it didn't seem like there were a lot of signs coming in on that. And, and Shapovalov, I agree, has that top-end game. We just haven't seen it. And, I mean, you only can... You can only play who's in front of you. And right. he's gotten to the final, uh, the semis, beating uh, Barankas today. Rublev survived a test. Mackie McDonald's playing a lot better. That went three. Rublev won going away. But, you know, this is a pro Mackie McDonald podcast. And I think his game is <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. good. And, you know. Look, and that was a big shot, though, I think, to beat Rublev. He had his opportunity mm -hmm. today because Rublev's coming mm -hmm. off a week where he went all the way through. He's played a lot of tennis mm -hmm. uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I think at the end of this event, he's normal humans get tired. After playing that much tennis, some of these guys aren't. Bradley Klon and I have had those discussions off camera about how is it that these guys at majors can play a five-set match and turn it around and do it again? Mm. How does their body just recover? Story probably for another day in another yeah. podcast, but yeah. Rublev's played a ton of tennis, so Mackie had a shot. I bet he's kicking himself a little bit 
for not taking full advantage of it. But now Rublev, Hercoc, I don't know. Let's pick him. I've, I'm picking Chapo to beat Yuri. I yeah. think mentally you just ha- – how do you not have a letdown after beating Novak Djokovic? It's usually how it goes yeah. uh, with beating any member of the big three in that next match, especially at the Grand Slam level. But we'll see if he can keep this dream run going. Uh, Acapulco, the other big ATP event. We'll start with the positives, right? Uh, February 21st. Longest day of tennis that we've ever seen. Into the 22nd. Into the the 22nd, 5 a.m. finish. Their grandstand had three straight three-hour matches. Yeah. Um, Do you have a, like, a hot take, hot button, you know, take on the fact that tennis can be played this long to the night? It's kind of rare that it would even happen, but. I'm not sure they should have started the last match at 1.30 in the morning, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe I'm sounding like an old dude, but I don't think it's fair to the fans or the players. Uh, You know, but. Brooksby and Zverev played really high-quality tennis from 1.30 in the morning till almost 5 a.m., so who am I to tell them not to? But I tried to stay up and watch and couldn't. And I was riveted to the match beforehand. Now, maybe I was just sapped yeah. because there was enough going on in the match before it to, like, take every ounce of your, you know, mental and physical energy if you were watching yeah. it. Stefan Kozlov, I have no, no. idea. Like, like, the whole thing. I have no idea how Kozlov won it. I well, also have no idea how Grigor lost it. I mean, yeah. It's I, also not the first time I've seen Grigor do that, which is frustrating. Like, there were, I had all the emotions going well, on watching that match. You brought up earlier on this, uh, some guys have the ability but not the it factor to be number one. I mean, yeah. we've said Grigor's got natural ability for a long time and just hasn't really Yeah, not in the same way together. that I was talking. I get what yeah. you're saying. It doesn't matter. Like, Talent-wise, he can make all the shots. Well, That's I also thing. think Grigor would have the it factor to be a number one player in the world, like, positionally. Like, his personality mm-hmm. is worthy of a number one player in the world. I see. Different way to look at there's it. There's a yeah. reason why yeah. Nike gives Grigor Dimitrov his own colorway on his clothes. Mm. And they don't do that with dudes ranked where Grigor's ranked. Yeah. He's got up to number three in the world a few years ago, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. They're still giving him his own colorway mm. because Grigor attracts audiences. He is a draw. Yeah. And... But no, he clearly has shown that, he, you know, and, and it's going to sound like I'm knocking Grigor Dimitrov. Like 99% of players on tour can't put it all together to get into that yeah. stratosphere uh-huh. of number ones. Look, Sasha Zverev thinks he is, <laughs> yeah. and he talks like he is, and he did before the season starts. I think he's proving that he's got a long way to go maturity-wise to be the guy to lead the charge. Right. I'm not talking about talent again. I'm talking about yeah. to be the one. There's something about being that ace. And Novak, Roger, and Rafa have held that job, and Andy did it, but they've held it with a plum. They have been worthy number ones. Yeah. They have been torchbearers and standard bearers. Yeah. You want Sasha Zverev to be your torchbearer and standard bearer right yeah. now? I'll throw that out there. You want it? Yeah. Do you, do you want that? It's not looking good right now. The no. stock's buying low. But uh, but before we get to that, the uh, forgotten match that night was Isner Verdasco. No one's talking about that no. three-hour match for it. <laughs> just, it's true. It just, that set the whole night into motion. Uh, the I also sound like an old man, too, in that sense. And I get Acapulco is, like, unique, and it's one of the few tournaments that would even be a possibility, but I don't think it was fair to everybody there, fans included, to start a match that late. And it's early enough in the week where you don't have to do it to, I you know, th- I thought that's part of it. I thought they should have sent Sasha and Jensen home. Uh, like when they started the third set of the second match and said, we'll put you on second tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Because remember, they were also waiting. They thought that match... The craziest part about tennis is that you don't know... They thought that match was going to be over in like 40 minutes. Like, like, first of all, the minute 
Kozlov went down, it was like, this dude's done, right? Everyone in their right mind thought this guy's done. It's like five done. straight games lost. Well, not even, I couldn't even believe he played five games. Well, let's, let's, yeah. When they got to five all, so he should have just that day is going to go down. Stefan Kozlov's day is one of the most insane stories that I've heard. That's, I mean, look, that's, <laughs> he will never have a day like that in his yeah. life, right? So if you're, for the people out there listening that don't know, he was a lucky loser. I think he said he was like second in in, in the queue, as they do for the lucky losers. So he thought it wasn't going to happen. Went out on the jet skis. There was an incident. He had to tread water for a while. Then he's like, getting back. I'm going to play t- practice with Rafa because it's an opportunity to hit with Nadal. Rafa practices hard. They played a set. They were halfway through it. He picked up his phone, and it was, all right, this is happening. Code red. Let's go. So from all that... To getting out of the court, I usually don't have the most sympathy with the cramping situation, but I'm like, okay, I get it with this guy. But then he still wins the match. Yeah, I believe that's more on Grigor than Stefan. Well, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I don't want to, we don't have to completely kick on Grigor, but the fact that know. Kozlov made it to the finish line is as great of an accomplishment. Yeah, as there and is. look, and 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 for a while there, I thought Kozlov should have, for the betterment of everyone involved, pulled out. I was wrong to think that, uh, and I think. Tracy and Pam, who were calling the match, Tracy Austin and Pam Schreiber, made a good point, though. He's a lucky loser, but he gets no points if he doesn't win the match. So why not hang around as long as you can? You also know you're playing against a player who has shown that nerves can get the better of him at times. He knew who was on the other side of the that's And that's one of the hardest things in tennis. Again, not a knock on Grigor. Anyone who's ever played competitively has come up against a guy or been the guy who's been injured trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It's really hard to play against a guy who is physically ailing in a way that Stefan Kozlov was, but it's still surreal. Like, the whole thing was nuts. It's surreal. Like, it was absolutely, absolutely. The yeah. other thing is, Kozlov was pushing. Like, the whole match, even the first set before, he, before the Krams game, it was like the ugliest tennis I'd ever seen. And I like Kozlov. I think he's got a good personality. I like the fact that he was kind of in the friend circle with TFO, Tommy Paul, those oh, yeah. guys who've had their moments, and he stayed battling, and all those guys swear by him. He's got to improve some things to make that next step. And the serve's number one because we got to just, that's got to be better. But, hey, props to him for doing it. <laughs> no he knew he wasn't going to pull out. Uh, <laughs> Look, as a tennis fan, yeah, it was awesome. It was a it great was awesome. story. What a night. Yeah. It was, you're just checking in and you're like, what, lost at sea? Like, <laughs> practicing with Rafa, yeah, no, cramping. It's one of the most epic days. Like, it's it's yeah. the mo- one of the most epic stories to be told, right? Like, yeah. he's going to be telling that story till the day's, you know, six feet under. Well, the negative in Acapulco, as we all know now, is Alexander Zverev uh, kicked out of the tournament for his outburst in the doubles match uh, over a call that was close. It wasn't, you know, an egregious thing not to make any excuses for what happened, but he loses his mind. He attacks the chair uh, a few times, and now all we know as of today is $40,000 fine, maximum on-site penalty with more discipline coming. I know that there's going to be a lot of people that have notions, Russ, of Zverev off off the court stuff and everything like that. So just looking at it straight, it the hammer has to come down. They totally. they have to make an example that this is not okay. And you know they might have gone light in other incidents. Pliskova being one a few years ago that was a WTA thing. But you know I I expect a suspension here. I'm curious to hear what you think. I suspect and would hope for. I think it's deserved. Um, you know, there are always lawyers involved, so I haven't read the fine print, nor am I smart enough to really mm-hmm. understand it. So I don't know what latitude the ATP tour has, but I think at least one major he should be sat down mm. for. So I think through Roland Garros, he should be sat, maybe through Wimbledon as well. Look, it was obvious and clear intent of intimidation of an official. 
I don't think anyone could look at that video and argue otherwise. Because of where how high he hit the chair and how he kept going back and was yeah, making eye he contact. To the and, scene, he, yeah. he, what he was saying, mm-hmm. how he was acting was not only completely unacceptable, but I think deserving of right. a long, a long suspension, long enough to matter. And the only way to matter, we all know in tennis, is because of the majors. Mm-hmm. And we also know that Zverev is very close to winning his first major. He has the talent. He's it's shown two that points he can away. Go, he can go deep yeah. in majors. So he's right there. So the only way to make it actually matter is to ban him from majors. Okay. The other thing the, the ATP has to do is interview the woman who credibly accused him of physical violence. Because as of now, even though they've said they've had an investigation going, they said that in October. We have an ongoing investigation from what we know and what she said, they haven't talked to her yet. You know what? Now's a good time to talk to her because he's shown that on a, on a big stage in front of people, he's, he's capable of completely losing his temper. And he said it. He has no words to describe how bad he feels for what he did. Uh, there is reason to believe that he would be capable of that in, in private as well. He's been accused of it. Talk to the person who accused him of it at this point. That's the charge for the ATP for me. Deal with Zverev. And also get on get on your toes about what's been going on because it's not like it hasn't been out yeah. there for months. It has been pending for a while, which is you know the craziest thing about all this. Like due process is fair, but we gotta just we gotta get some stuff done. I, here. Also, I I yeah. also get the reluctance on the ATP to to delve mm-hmm. into that stuff because you're talking about different locations and different parts of the world and different you know jurisdictions. Yeah, way easier for like a major four in North America sport to do all that. Well, yeah, that and not yeah. only that, but. It's also easier for the ATP tour to deal with what happened in Acapulco because it happened on their watch, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So at one of their events. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, look, is very on the court stuff. The way this outburst, I don't think it should necessarily define him, but hey, you have consequences to your actions. And this has to be, that's where I say the sending a message. I don't necessarily always like making an example of someone, but they got to let this know you can't do stuff like this. Someone very <laughs> smart, and I can't remember who, said that. Uh, people will rarely remember what you did. They'll remember how they made you feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does Sasha Zverev make you feel right now? I think for most tennis players, uneasy would be a, a charitable way of putting it. And if he wants to change that, he has to change that. Mm. All right? It's not incumbent on anyone else. He has to do something that makes you think of him other than the dude who was either accused of physically assaulting a woman or physically, literally, we've seen with our own two eyes, yeah. physically intimidating an official on a court with physical violence. Because, yeah. dude, he hits him with one of those rackets inadvertently could break his ankle, first of all. Yeah. He hit as close to the foot as you possibly could. I give a lot of props to the chair umpire <laughs> He's for like there, the yeah. calmness. Like, yeah. how, like he must have, the emotions inside of him must have been like, oh my God, I'm about to be smacked by mm-hmm. a 6'6 dude wielding a weapon. Mm-hmm. But that's how I thought about it. Yeah, it was just an ugly scene all the way around. Yes. The defending champ out, and uh, yeah, so now, so now he's out of the tournament, and Nadal's there, Sitsipas is there, uh, and Peter Goyubchuk gets that, gets that, come on, walk over. Yeah. By the way, another German. Yeah, I know we missed the all German matchup. Uh, I think it'll be fun though with this tournament to see you have the Medvedev side of his expectations now as number one. Nadal, the best start to a season he's ever had, and Sitsipas who. Strangely enough, might be just lurking. Like, he's not he been lurking. talked about. He's kind of been under the radar, which could be good for him. Had a great match with Medvedev in the Aussie semis. 
maybe this is his time to, you know, make his move. Stepanos, I think, is in an interesting position right now because I believe that Stepanos and Zverev both thought that they might be the ones to be that next guy, not Daniil. Yeah. You know, there was a while before when Stepanos and Sasha were sort of, they were the ones. Yeah, that, you're right. It was like Zverev, it was like Zverev on the scene first, yeah. then Sitsipas came up, and then Medvedev kind of just usurped both of them. And Right. So yeah. then they can't help but, both of them at this point, can't help but start thinking, wait a second, am I the next guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, because Sasha talked about how he was already part of the upper echelon. This was at the end of last year. <laughs> he spoke about it as if it were true. Yeah, yeah. And to which I was thinking, like, wait a second, Daniil just won the U.S. Open. Yeah, and Stepanos is there. Like, I love watching him play. Uh, it'll be, like, fascinating. Yes, Stepanos, I agree with you, is lurking. Uh, he needs, look, he hasn't proven to himself yet that he can win the big one. And, and all it takes is one, I feel like, That's with all these true. players, right? Prove to yourself in a big moment that you can win the big one, and you can do it again and again, but you have to do it first. You know, Zverev has that number three on on kind of lock right now for the time being. We'll see what happens with suspensions. But Tsitsipas, number four player in the world, mm-hmm. can really start to charge up the rankings. And in Grand Slams, other than that match you called against Chorich at the U.S. Open where oh, he just completely yeah. lost it, um, he's been pretty consistent. Like, he's at that cusp, and some players don't get over that. Yeah. But... He's Good memory been, out of you. Yeah. I, honestly, I think... It's the craziest... I remember it because it was the craziest match I oh think my I God. saw. Well, first year. of all, with no fans, and his dad got kicked out, but he's walking around the concourse. Well, you know, and going back to that, actually, I do wonder if that final hurdle is his father. Yeah, it's been going on, and, and the players have been kind of... But I will say, working with Thomas Enquist, if that's more of a thing, and... right. Could be good for him. It absolutely could be good for him. And um, and, and maybe it's not, I don't know, it's so hard. It's familial stuff. They made it together. Stefanos has been the driving force in that whole family. He's trying to, he's written, like, let, let's not Like, they're good. It. Like, that's the, like, just to be clear, like, they're good. Like, their relationship is yeah. good. It's the factor of on the court with some of the stuff that happens. Well, and they're good to, with each with other. With each other, that's Which right. is part of the problem why some people aren't good with him being good with the way his dad coaches him during the match. And I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. They want to see him say, Dad, like, you don't need to do this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, stop stop trying. Because he hates his dad yelling at him. I know that from calling it and watching <laughs> it. Now, maybe he's used to it, but yeah. it certainly wouldn't hurt him if he wasn't expending some mental and physical energy being mad at his dad for telling him what to do after every point. And maybe, maybe his opponents would stop getting annoyed that his dad is telling him what to do after every point. But I wonder if that's the hurdle. I, I do. I really do. Because he's, look, the margins are thin. As we know at the top of the game, maybe that's the margin for Stitsipas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Russ Thaler on Tennis Channel Inside In. More with him as we kind of finish up here with the women. Uh, oh, yes. You know, First 1,000 of the It's year. been nuts. And we talked about today before we started. We had quarterfinals. And uh, it's just it's just been, none of them were competitive. None of them competitive, but all big name players in Qatar in that field. Uh, Want to start with the hottest player on tour, the men or woman, maybe Elena Ostapenko. Uh, six wins in her last nine over Grand Slam champions. I'm a huge fan. Just 
out of control good is going to be is got a realistic chance to be in the top 10 at the end of this tournament where did this come from because oh it came from inside <laughs> her it's there it's no, no seriously I, no i i guess i agree with you there but there weren't really many signs going into last week that a run like this was going to happen. No, no, she's quick fire. Like, yeah. seriously, like dormant yeah. forever, light that fuse, boom. Yeah. Now, I don't know how long it's going to last. I re- like, I don't even know if she knows how long it's going to last, but enjoy it while it lasts. I love Yelena Ostapenko for this reason. You know what she's thinking at every moment of every <laughs> match that she's in. It is painted on her face. Happy, sad, confused, competitive, intense. It's all there. She is one of the most fun, and she's one of the most fun players to watch and call matches, and... When she's on, it doesn't matter who she's playing. And that's, look, she played Garbini Muguruza today, beat her two and two, and comes off the court and says, I thought it'd be tougher, quite frankly. Like, <laughs> how can you not love yeah. this woman? Look, and there's, here's the thing well, about. Well, I could say how you win like, if you're a player on tour. <laughs> totally, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I know. You know, it's all entertainment. Yeah. In, in my, and it's my job. Yeah. But I will say this. Those eight women who played each other today in those four semifinals, I could give you a reason why each of them is my favorite player on tour. Like, that's one thing I love about the WTA right now is there are, like, 20 women who I absolutely not only love watching play, but I kind of, like, from afar, like them as people. Yeah. Like, can you watch Iga Sviantek and think anything but good things about oh, the woman? No, I mean, 20 I, years old, love her. Like, love yeah. her game. Annette Contivate. Seriously. Like, is there anything not to like about Annette Contevate? And in 2021, there was no one better than Annette Contevate, no. that run that she Maria went on. Maria Sakkari. I'm jealous of her shoulders. and But <laughs> she also are. seems super nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, and works her butt off. And, like, Ange Jabeur, trailblazer. Yeah. You know, like, inspiration. There are so many great storylines at the top of the game on the WTA Tour. It's, it's lovely. Muguruza, who... Could have been the number one player in the world last year until she got, like, she was playing so great, got hurt in Charleston. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember, but yeah. it kind of, like, threw, it's like she missed yeah. a beat, and then the rhythm was gone. Like, it was yeah. weird. Like, yeah. because she was, I thought, the be- playing the best tennis of anyone in the world until then. And, like, so all, there, there's so much to love about the women's game, which was why yeah. so, today I was so excited for the quarterfinals and then, like, perplexed. Yeah. I'll say that I agree with you. Ostapenko redlining, and she doesn't know how long this is going to last. She plays a very fearless style. Uh-huh which emboldens her, and it is fun to watch. I would like to see. There's so many women that are in the mix at all these tournaments, Grand Slams included. I'm at a point where I would like to see maybe some cream rise a little bit. Oh, we have one. We have a real number one. We have one. one. We, we do. We do. You have a true oh, number yeah. one. And, and look, She's and I, true. And I think that's so important for the game to have an ace. 100% agree. And Ash Barty is a worthy ace. I will say that she doesn't seem to transcend uh, outside of the tennis world, outside of Australia, as much as the game probably could use. That's mm-hmm. not her fault. That's no. her. Um, but it's important that tennis has one person when you walk out there and you say, that's the guy or that's the woman. And Ash Barty is, when it comes to the oh, WTA, yeah. she's the man, if you will. A couple uh, other thoughts on these matchups. The uh, Svantec over Sabalenka, who... No real double fault issues in this match. It's important to or note it was or in this tournament. So that's the positive for Sabalenka. Mm-hmm. I watched the match, then I went back, watched the highlights, and the first thing I thought was this is a this is a tough matchup for Sabalenka. Svantec's style now Sabalenka's power is unmatched when she's on. Like I don't yeah, think you know what that. though, it's not unmatched because Ega can probably she hit the can ball neutralize harder. it mm-hmm. and, and she can in hit a way. It back harder yeah. So I think that her movement, her variety, 
that was like a styles make fights thing for oh, me. And I yeah. thought this isn't because Sabalenka wasn't like Muguruza at times today looked sluggish and wasn't really moving her same well. And Anjabor's dealing with the injury. I went back and watched the highlights. I'm like, Sabalenka didn't play terrible. Yeah. Like this was, this was uh, Iga's uh, arena. Uh, like, and here's the, I just said, we have a true ace at the top and Ash mm-hmm. Barty. Well, right now, Ash Barty's not on tour. She's still at home. Mm-hmm. Won't show up. I'm assuming till Miami. That's what she did last year. Uh, so Arena Sabalenka is the number two player going into this week, although that's mm-hmm. going to change next week. Yeah. Uh, but Sabalenka's not that. She hasn't proven it yet. It, it could be in her, but the best she's done is getting to the semifinals of slams, and that was just last year when she did it at Wimbledon in the U.S. Open. She's not a worthy number she's one She's lost a lot of matches to what we would call underdogs. Well, because the racket, the matches on her racket more often than not. And more often than not in those situations, she hasn't come through. Mm-hmm. When she starts coming through, she'll be a worthy number yeah. one if she gets there. Barbara Krejcikova is going to be number two in the world in singles and doubles <laughs> next week. And if there's one person I root for above most is Krejcikova. And the reason is this. For some reason, she has zero charisma. <laughs> And I'm not saying that to knock her. She wants desperately for people to enjoy her game, and I do. Barbara, I love your game. She wants desperately for people to like her. She seems like a perfectly nice person. She may have the most well-rounded game outside of Ash Barty in women's tennis right now. She's two in the world in singles and doubles, part of the number one doubles team in the world. She's amazing and doesn't get the respect. I remember hearing an interview from her at the U.S. Open where she lamented the fact and was seriously hurt by the fact that she feels like sometimes people aren't even happy to have her in a tournament. She's ranked, like, at that point, four in the world. They're putting on her outer courts. Barbara Krejcikova... Her game deserves to be on the main court. And I, and she said her goal was to play so well that they had no choice to put her on the main mm-hmm. courts. And I'm rooting like crazy for her to play so well yeah. that she has to play on the main courts all the time because her personality is not going to do it. And it's not her fault. Oh, yeah. I, but, I mean, gosh, the, the acceptance speech that she gave about Czech Republic and, and, yeah. and, and the – I mean – She's someone I root hard for. Again, I, I can I can go on about Anja Jabeur in the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. There's so many women that like at the top of the game, and in fairness, there aren't as many men that I can gush. No, about. and it's been that way for for quite a bit. Yeah. The women have had more contenders, and the men just don't. Uh, the last match, though, I wanted to just comment on was Sakri over Coco. It was very work work woman like mm-hmm. in what she did, and. I think Coco didn't have her best today, had a couple big wins in this Good tournament. Good tournament for Coco, though. Sakari has improved. It's been like a ladder every year where it started with coming on the scene with the power, and now she's adding some versatility. And, like, for lack of a better word, I hate using the phrasing, but sometimes you got to play more boring style and just serve well and defend well. And, you know, I just think her game and her mental capacity as well for on the court is really increasing and she's thrown herself into the mix of can be a top five player totally and it's so interesting to watch different players progress in different ways look we've just talked about Iga Sviantek she's 20 and basically been winning and winning and winning since she was like 17 years mm-hmm. old Sakari has taken sort of the harder path right like it's taken she's 26 years old it's taken her a little while to add little pieces yeah. to her game she doesn't have the weapons that are just going to like immediately vault her into first, second, third round wins right. when she's not at her best. Sakri has to work for everything. And I love watching her mature. 
first it was the physical maturity. Now it's the mental maturity. And mm -hmm. soon we're, and, and we're starting to see more of the game variety and figuring out ways to win when our athleticism is alone isn't going to get there. So there's different, it goes back to my original point. There's different reasons for you to latch on to different players on tour. Yeah. And for soccer, it's watching that progression that yeah. to me at least makes me want to root for. And my thing just as a fan is stylistically, like we were saying, styles make fights. Mm -hmm. You're starting to see, okay, this player will match up, almost throw the ranking out. It's like this player matches up well with this. The draws, you know, players are not are rooting that certain players lose. They don't have to see them, uh -huh. but they won't admit it. We had him on, uh, we had him on the show and it was great. <laughs> Come on, Murray tried to get to say, who do you fear in the draw? And most of them were like, I don't want to tell you because it's out there. <laughs> By the way, Come on, Murray working with Sloan Stevens again. Like yeah, I uh, down there in, in Guadalajara. I wouldn't say I had insight on that, but it, it's not surprising. No, the, not. the dynamics good. Kamal's doing very well for himself, oh, and yeah. and him and Sloan are great friends. They're like and, the high uh, school couple that like, keep going back to each other. Yeah. you know, like Sloan just got married. I'm not yeah. talking about it in that way. By no. the way, congratulations to Sloan. Congrats. I met her husband Josie years ago when I was covering yeah. soccer. Great dude. Oh yeah. Uh, it always loved Josie. Plus, he's a Jersey guy, so I'm okay. with him on that. Right. But Sloan, obviously, lovely human being. Uh, I'm so happy for both of them. And she looks. I mean, she always looks pretty fit, but she looks more fit than normal now. I feel like she's, you know, with it. it to me, <laughs> it's know? more about engagement. Yeah. Okay. Is Sloan and I just call their match. So it's more yeah. about when she's engaged. She's mm -hmm. almost unbeatable. Uh, her personality is such that she's never going to be 100 percent engaged at all times. She will not be. Ash Barty locked in between the lines at all times. But if she could do it enough, she can win another major. Like If you get her as an under, I mean, it's, it's like betting terminology, but she is a live underdog every time because she can beat anyone in the world. So, And, and the problem is she shouldn't be an underdog. And no, that's I know. That's, that's it, yeah. Kamau will tell you the same yeah. thing. But honestly, I think that's her personality. Mm -hmm. Like some people don't have it in them. To be that, to be locked in like that, to be my Play better from behind, like, you know, yeah, play better as... Yeah, interest every once in a while. Some people do. I right. know we knock it, but we look at Sloan on the court, and it's yeah. like, what are you doing? But you know what? That's her. That's Sloan. It's crazy. That's what's like Federer, Serena, Djokovic, and all, just to do it for so many years and keep engaged, like... We, we've all taken it's not it, normal. We've all taken it for granted from the people inside <laughs> right. to outside. They've also set the bar, I think, unrealistically high for excellence over a long period of time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Paul Anacone said uh, a couple of years ago in Australia, he's like, when's the when's someone ever going to pass Sampras again? <laughs> Think about that. When's someone going to win that oh, many slams? Oh, fair enough. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It like took me when, a second to, to, to like, register Like, so when's that. anybody ever going to pass that number? Like, well, forget not, about these not three. Not until after those three dudes are done, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Russ, Thaler, this has been fun. Uh, before I let you go, we always just try to get a little something, you know, from our guests here. Uh, and what I know about you is a giant Capitals fan. Big Caps fan. And a pro wrestling fan. Love pro okay. wrestling. Uh, what, no. I make pro wrestling references all through yeah, my matches. I don't I know gotcha. if anyone... Picks up on them, so is, make little ones. Is it an all? Is it a from your childhood days? Was it recently? Because no, I grew up in the Attitude Era, so that's where oh, my. You that's know. where you're. Sorry. Yeah. So no, mine's from the childhood days. I've always okay. been a huge sports fan. Okay. And I used to watch the Braves on WTBS out of okay. Atlanta, the Superstation. Of course. After Braves games, there used to be something called Speed Vision, which was like a NASCAR thing, mm -hmm. and then Championship Wrestling from Georgia, which became okay. World Championship yeah. Wrestling, popped up. And I remember being on my. This is how I got into wrestling. Okay. I remember sitting on my parents' bed and I was watching the Braves game. I fell asleep. This is, I must like eight, nine, 10 years old. Right. I fell asleep, wake up, speed vision ends, and this guy, Gordon Soley, who at the time was the voice of pro wrestling, mm -hmm. comes on. 
Uh, the first person I see is Mr. Wrestling 2, who wore a white mask. And I was like, I'd never seen anyone <laughs> with a mask like that. And then Rick Flair well, yeah. in all his glory with the Horsemen and the Andersons and the whole thing. And I was hooked from day one. There you go. That's and a I've good been a start. fan and I go to shows with my with my kids. I love it. And my son's yeah. 18 and we go together. Like still to okay. this day. So I love pro wrestling. Um, I don't shy away from that at all. Nice. What was the other thing you said I'm into? I was the Capitals, I obviously. The so I covered the Caps for 10 yeah. years. And I've I covered them yeah. before Ovechkin came. Uh, so I've covered them when they were bad and through the good stuff. Yeah. And my family's really into it too. Like that's the other thing. It's a family bond because we went to the parade when they won the title. So yeah, yeah we're going back down there next nice. week. So nice. yeah. Yeah, one thing I was going to add was this year for Halloween, I went as the excellence of execution, Ooh, Bret, Hart, Bret Hart. So, very nice. Uh, yeah, that's my. Were you a Bret or Sean guy? Were you a Bret or Sean guy? Grew up in the Attitude Era. You know, Sean has my last name, but it's spelled differently. Uh, I like. I was. Pick that was bomb? like the first. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was the first like me being super young, so I wasn't like a, a true teenager then to pick sides. Okay. So I just liked them both. Fair but enough. I guess if I would have been like five, six years older, it would have been a hot button issue. I have to pick sides. But it was Stone Cold. Like that uh, was yeah. who was the right? most popular thing to ever hit wrestling. So still. Um, day, right? Yeah, no, and you know, I uh, I still I still watch. It's you're gonna appreciate the era of your childhood, like Flair in that era is gonna you, hold. You the have to look at it in a little bit of a different yeah. way too. The mm -hmm. industry has changed, mm -hmm. and the advent of AEW, which yeah. I'm really into. Oh, yeah. uh, but I watch them both. I like them both. I appreciate it. I'm not one of those people that picks it apart. There and you I, go. Like I, I'm online, I see the things, okay. but like I just enjoy it for what it is. It's a great show, and I and those athletes are. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Oh, yeah, for sure. Russ Thaler, this was fun. Thanks for joining Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll have to do this again uh, when yeah, we have as to. many tournaments as possible. Hey, but man, we get five tournaments <laughs> at once. It's like all the antenna are up, man. This is awesome times. Thanks, Mitch. That was Russ Thaler on Tennis Channel Inside In. If you like the show, it's on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast for this and all the shows on our catalog. We will be back next week to talk more tennis, get ready to preview Indian Wells. For us, they were on Mitch Michaels from the Santa Monica studio saying goodbye, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>